Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Don't Be a Man About It. I can't even start by telling you how excited I am for today's episode. I have Tom with me, who is known as Mr. Divorce Coach. Hi. Hi there. Nice to meet you, Ray. Thank you for having nice me. Nice to meet you. Uh, thank you for being here, Tom. And uh, before, you know how it goes. How is your heart doing today? Very well. Very uplifted. It's in great, great place. <laughs> I like that word, uplifted. And what made it uplifted? Nice busy day of work with some awesome clients. Um, I'm picking my kids up from school today to help my ex-wife out because she's got a doctor's appointment. So I get an extra bit of time with my kids and I get to help out my ex-wife. Um, and mainly, I've got to be honest with you, it sounds a bit cheesy, but being here and talking to you, this is... <laughs> Not cheesy at all. I like cheesy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, before we dive into the topic, which... I, again, I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, could you just give us a brief, who is Tom? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so as, as you mentioned, my name is Tom Nash. Uh, my brand is Mr. Divorce Coach. If you Google Mr. Divorce Coach, you'll find me anywhere online. Um, I am the first and currently still one of the very few uh, male divorce coaches practicing in the UK. Um, this comes from my own lived experience. Uh, I am an internationally trained and certified coach, uh, also a master practitioner in several therapeutic treatments like uh, neurolinguistic programming, something called timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. Uh, I actually got into all of this um, having left the corporate world, would you believe, um, mm -hmm. after going through my own divorce or separate uh, divorce and separation, uh, being through the family courts and all that kind of horrible contentiousness, bitterness, litigious um, and emotively, physically draining experience. Uh, so I left the corporate world. I retrained. I started this brand so that I could go out there and help other people, both men, women and couples who are maybe separating or divorcing and how they can actually work to co-parent in a more effective and positive way and put their children at the centre, not the middle. I love how most successful people have or are running businesses inspired from their personal experiences. Yeah. And I love that first when we talked, you said, I'm a father, I'm a stepfather, and then you introduced yourself. So yeah. tell me more about when was or what was the minute that made you realize that, you know what, I'm going to leave the corporate world so I could help other men or families or couples in their uh, relationships. Yeah, yeah. So I'd spent about 15 years in the corporate world, working in central London, building and running recruitment businesses, headhunting firms. Um, very what most people would deem successful from a financial uh, rewarding side of things. Um, and I was always very, very good at it. Um, not to toot my own hand and toot my own horn, but it was something that I naturally fell into and was uh, and did very well at and grew my career, etc. But the word of kind of fulfillment um, was never really there. Uh, whilst I was very good at it, it wasn't something that I necessarily loved and cared so much about that I kind of lived and breathed it. Um, I was actually retraining in coaching and those uh, therapeutic methods I mentioned while still working in the corporate world. And originally what I wanted to do, I've got a, I've got a deep root of passion for helping people. Uh, originally what I wanted to do was going to do uh, was actually corporate workplace well-being um, and trying to help stop the churn and burn of the younger generation that was coming through into the corporate workplace uh, and how to be focused on them as unique individuals and how to build their own personal development etc 
but at the time I was going through my own divorce uh, my own separation um and I suppose the key moment as your question asked was it was actually my girlfriend that gave me the inspiration we were sitting there one night watching something random on Netflix uh and she said you could use these skills to help other guys help other dads through this process who don't know how to talk about their emotions their feelings that internal dialogue whether that's fears anger upset guilt shame whatever it might be um and that they don't talk about it and also a lot of guys have the the stigma walls come up when you mention around talking to someone and they automatically assume that any kind of therapy or, or counseling um is going to be compatible or they and not they wrongly assume that they're going to have um and again i know a lot of guys that's talking about this that they assume that they're going to be sitting opposite from a 50 or 60 year old lady um they anticipate is going to be what they perceive in the media and in movies and actually what they want is representation they want to see another guy who's 30 something with tattoos and just <laughs> just as normal as that um but someone that they can relate to so that they can work through that emotional journey, but also the practical steps that coaching brings to help them break down this big, scary thing. So yeah, the, the full credit in honesty very goes to my girlfriend who pointed it out. So we Googled it one night, sitting on the sofa. Uh, and at the time, this was what, three plus years ago, we went through um, and the first two pages were all female divorce coaches. We couldn't see any men doing it. So we thought, you know what, let's, let's apply these skills and let's go and help some other people and bring a male perspective to the situation. It's it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that you are the first or one of the first male divorce coaches. I was the first female male coaches. Yep. <laughs> <Because they laughs> for people, wait, are you a men's coach? I'm like, yeah, I am. Really? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so it always takes one person to break that pattern at some point. Yeah. So Tom, you. Um, I would like to, to, to learn more, not to learn more, to hear more about your mental health struggle and then your divorce. Yeah. And then we could talk about uh, all the tips and techniques. So yeah, how sure. did it feel like for you as a man and a father to end a marriage? Horrible. <laughs> really, really horrible. Um, sent that an own self sense of injustice, if you like. Um, I, I, grew up a, a child of divorced parents my parents separated when I was very young and one of the key things that I had always vowed I would never do once I got married and had children um would be to divorce um once I had married and I had kids I was devoted I was committed that was it I was in two-footed you were never going to take me out of it so the fact that I went against everything that I thought to be my values and my beliefs um and then for them to be kind of questioned internally and even with external uh decision making really really difficult really challenging um i had to question kind of everything about myself even like which links back to why i chose to change my career because i looked at actually that's that's not making me happy the 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 money the success the house the cars that was filling a void that i didn't really know um so yeah it was hugely hugely impacting i think one of the other big things was about and i get this with a lot of dads that i work with um a loss of identity because I think in we the in the marriage and as as a man as a husband as a father all these things I was I had this perception that obviously we're all taught through society wherever we live in the world um that I should be big 
and strong and take it all on my shoulders and I should build that lifestyle and live in that area and do that sort of holiday and all this kind of stuff. Um, but actually that was all the chasing that that perpetuated model was actually the thing that was causing me a lot of problems. It was causing me to drink more. It was causing me to not deal with my stuff and not talk to anybody. It was causing me to not look after myself, ask those harder questions of myself and really dig deep and find out who I am and what it is I'm all about. I know it's not a one size fits all answer and it's different from one marriage to another, but why do you think marriages end? Is it because they did not communicate or talk about the big stuff before getting married? Mm -hmm. Is it because two individuals are constantly changing and they're not talking about it? Uh, different priorities, what happens? Yeah, 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 no, you're right. I mean, the vast majority of people, when they're talking to a solicitor, they're talking to me, whatever, they're talking to their friend. A lot of people say it's about a breakdown in communication. A lot of people think that the grassroots start is the breakdown of communication. And that has a huge impact when there's a breakdown in communication, whether you're not communicating, silent treatment, arguing, um, or you're feeling like you're not being heard and acknowledged or you're scared to talk about the things about who you really are, your wants, your needs, and that fear is holding you back. But before any of that happens and the breakdown in communication, where it actually comes back to is about connection. And it's about the different stages of disconnection when we start falling into disdain, dislike, etc. That's actually where the communication breakdown comes from because you don't have the connection. And then there's a number of other bits that work around that as well in terms of how you're feeling connected. Why aren't you feeling connected? What is it that's missing? What self-work and accountability piece do you need to do? Or what do you need to work through to help your commitment to this process of connection? Because it is about both of you being able to stay connected, which ultimately, if you are connected with someone, um, you have a better opportunity to have the right communication. You feel safer in the knowledge of that you can share who you are and what your wants are, who you want to be, things that you're interested in. Safety is a big word. And it seems like a lot of couples do not feel safe in a relationship. And when I when I say safe, it's not always physical safety. It's yeah. the emotional safety that we're talking about. Um, of course, from a man's perspective, what would encourage a man to feel safe in a marriage? Yeah, yeah. Hey open openness and honesty and also the knowing that you're not going to have any judgment uh so myself and my partner my girlfriend uh we have that safety we can talk about anything and everything without a fear of a strange look or and was a flippant comment or it came naturally um there was from the immediate start there was a feeling of that being quite natural it's something that we continue to work at but again I think from experience neither one of us felt we had that in our previous relationships and didn't feel that we had that safety net so it was a learning unfortunately from the outcome of not having or not feeling safe enough to say hey I want to do this I like that I feel like this it was because of that having both of us having that prior experience that we both came to the saying hey look if one thing we'll always do is always be honest with each other and we'll without judgment it's a, if it's what the other person is thinking, feeling, wanting, then then we'll work with how how we how we utilize that to our advantage. I love that. 
I really love that. Um, what I want to, to, because let me tell you this, Tom, a lot of my friends are men listening to this are most of them are now getting out of a divorce. And okay. I'm dedicating this episode for them, to be honest, because I really want them to know that there's a life after divorce, you can date after a divorce, you could have your first relationship and marriage after divorce, it's just a phase and, and, and it's just a matter of how you approach it and making sure that you are supported. So you tell me, because women, when they end the relationship, even before they end it, they have their support system, be it their friends, their families, uh, therapists, counselors, they do know where to go when, you know, shit hits the fan. But men don't do that. So what helped you and in the last stages of your marriage till divorce and after divorce? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I think it's... There are truths um, and some untruths, again, uniquely for lots of different people about men don't talk, men don't seek the help, etc. And there's loads and loads and loads of studies out there. I mean, when men go through a divorce um, or a separation, we're actually twice as likely and in some cases more than twice as likely to be impacted by things like even weight fluctuation. Men put on and drop more weight quicker than women do when they're going through divorce and separation because we're typically not looking after ourselves. Um, and again, one of the other problems that we have in the modern world um, is how media and mainstream um, like television, movies, etc., portray things. Um, and the dad in any kind of like, let's say, a sitcom or a film or something like that, more often than not, typically speaking, couples separate or divorce, like you say, mum or female gets her friends her family she picks herself up she dusts herself down she talks to people dad goes and drinks too much he goes out partying he sleeps around he just gets in fights he goes off the rails um and there are people like that um but actually it's also about trying to shift our societal view that actually there's a huge amount of guys that don't do that that do go and do the work that do go and talk to people that stop and go do you know what i need to do something here I went to see a counsellor when I was going through my divorce um, for That's around about a year. For you to talk to a counsellor? Um, I did, uh, not necessarily easy, let's say, um, but it was something that I knew I needed. I needed to do something. I didn't yet know what that something was. So I, I saw my counsellor, a, a female counsellor. She was fantastic for around about, I think it was about a year, maybe 13 months there or thereabouts. And she helped me with a whole host of, background history stuff from younger years and how I viewed things and who I thought I was and things like that the bit where I got to so I still had question marks and like you said about when you got to a phase of how to move forward from it and what helped was that's that's where coaching came in because coaching is about taking that knowledge that data and now going right how do you apply what help do you need when are you going to do this thing what resources do you need who can help you with it and breaking it down. And that's the bit when I'd done a little bit of self-reflection and that's where I think therapy and counseling really contribute with coaching, having those together. I have a lot of clients that actually do both simultaneously and actually they can deal with the past background and experience and point of view, but then how do they actually apply it to make positive change? So I run my coaching practice, my divorce coaching practice on three core values, which is understand, evolve and improve. Everybody wants to improve. They want to get to a better place. They want something to be different or a better outcome. 
to do that, they need to make the change. They need to do the involvement. They need to, it, the old saying that I have over in the UK about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if this is broken, something needs to be fixed. So how are we going to fix it? What needs to change? But to do the change work, we need to do the self-reflection as well. We need to go I back mean, and understand why. But the, just when you said fix it, I find it funny and my I can't wrap my head around it, even though scientifically I know why. But men are known and very famous to be problem fixers. And yet, when it comes to their mental health and well-being, they don't want to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that was I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I work with men, women, and couples. So because I work with couples as well for doing co-parenting. But a lot of the dads and men that come to me, when they come to me, it's actually what they want is just that that helping hand, that assistance, and to bounce those ideas around with, give them some options of a different way. A bit like asking for directions yeah. <laughs> or, or, re or reading the instructions, which a lot of, again, stereotypically we don't do. Um, but it's about unpacking it all and then going, right, well, you could do options A, B, C, D, and then going into each one of them. Um, but again, I think it's just about that approach and shifting that perspective towards actually that how valuable self-help and self-care is i mean the last what 18 months two years of a global pandemic where people have been stuck indoors restricted one-to-one -one person that connection piece we were talking about um that has been seen in some lights obviously as a big negative but for my practice and the work that i do actually it is in some respects it is any good thing from it it actually brought the question up globally where people are saying no everybody has mental health just like we all have physical health and if you want to be fitter you go for a run you ride a bike you go to the gym you work out work. why wouldn't you do why wouldn't you do the same for here and for here it, it, it's a muscle it's a process it needs working out it needs challenging and stretching so it can rebuild you do that if you want to bulk up why wouldn't why wouldn't you do it if you want to feel better if you want to know how to feel better and get to a better place i love that i absolutely love that while you were talking about how sitcoms and movies portray uh, men in relationships, a question popped into my mind. Have you watched Eat, Pray and Love? I haven't, no. Okay. I'm so going to add that to my list now. <laughs> add it to your list. Um, so Eat, Pray and Love, just in brief, is about a woman who uh, is in a marriage and she's not happy. And to make it short for you, she decided to go on a one-year trip uh, to Italy and uh, Bali and then India or vice versa to just go on a self-reflective journey yeah. and to heal herself inside out and then she ended up in a very happy marriage one year later but she had to go through all the work the hard work the emotional yeah. uh, effort my question to you was in case you watched it but I was wondering if the movie was done from a man's perspective if her husband went on that journey to heal himself how would that go to him oh that's a great question that is a brilliant question well i suppose actually where we should start is maybe by saying what he shouldn't do which is go bar hopping and sleeping <laughs> around and all that sort of stuff because that's not going to help <laughs> yeah. yeah it's that that process of self-reflection i did do a bit of traveling years ago um and it's also about trying to find out really what where your passions are, right? Really, what drives you, what motivates you, what actually puts a smile on your face. 
Um, I used to, the opposite would be, I used to go in and out of London all the time. It used to, I used to be up early, used to get home late. I thought I was, like I said earlier, I thought I was doing it for a particular reason. But actually the self-reflection piece that I did as, as a dad, if I was in that movie, for example, was starting to look at actually the bits that make me smile and that lift my soul and make me feel happy about me are taking my kids to school, picking them up, being home at dinner time, seeing them going out across the field, playing with their friends, like being involved in their daily lives, not just providing in a financial sense um, and then taking them to McDonald's at the weekend. Um, so I think that piece would be, I suppose, if I was in the movie, the reflection piece would be about actually what what, what brings me joy, what, what makes me happy, what lifts my soul, right? what's important to me. Um, and how do I want to look back at all of this in 15, 20, 40 years? Um, and actually the other stuff isn't that important. Yeah, you still, you've still got to need a roof over your head and clothes on your back and food on the table. Um, and it's not about saying that I do all of this for free. I still run a business at the end of the day. Um, but it's about why I'm doing it uh, and, and what my motivation is for that. I love that. I love that. Especially the, the part where you put quality time with your kids as a priority and as a, as a joyful activity. I absolutely love that. When I was younger, I remember going to the supermarket with my dad was one of my favorite activities. Uh, even though we used to do a lot of things. So I'm, I'm, I can assure you that your kids will see the value of that time spent with them. So on behalf of your kids, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Tom, I know that you have a very limited time with me, so I'm going to that one million question. Um, how can a man date after divorce? How can he trust going into a relationship again without going to his um, attachment style or his fears or his doubts? Mm -hmm. uh, for those men who don't have therapy as an option because they don't want to, yeah yeah okay uh, so i there's a process that i do both with men and with women uh clients that i work with where they're starting to want to date again and one of the big things again is that self-reflection piece actually what's really in, important to them and for a lot of people let's just say um dads for example uh so for me it's ultimately important that my partner also has children because i need them to know and have a parenting style and know what it's like to deal with those day-to-day -day situations with kids and etc um it was also really important that i had someone who has some shared interests and some shared passions yeah. but also some that they don't because i also want my partner to be able to have their own outlet their own life parts of them that are them for them not for me but equally i have some parts that are still there for me and just just for me like my time uh, and my passions as well um in terms of those kind of trust as well i think if you start breaking down the type of person that you want to be with and if it is someone who's a parent for argument's sake um i would want to be with someone who has probably been through the divorce process that has had maybe a similar experience because then they can kind of resonate with me um but then also how have they gone about it so what i wouldn't want to be is with someone who was a divorced, I'm heterosexual, a divorced lady with kids um, who, for instance, her kids never saw their dad. I would then start thinking, well, why? 
what, what's behind that? Is that driven by dad? Is that driven by you? I want to see actually you've got a positive outcome, a positive influence, because you're also going to be impacting my world with my kids. And I want that to be a positive as well. Um, so th th there's a whole host of things that really is comes back to a lot of self-reflection about what do you want, what's right for it's you. Self-reflection, communication, and at the same time to honor your values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what's what's true to you? How can a woman hold the space or support a divorced man at the beginning stage of her relationship? Again, I think that kind of links back to what I was saying about a moment ago. So I've had experiences before with clients and even with friends and family um, where they have met someone new uh, and the new partner is being very vocal and influential to this person's separation or divorce. You need to do it like this. This is what you should do, etc. There's a difference between applying your own narrative to a situation than there is to actually supporting someone um so again it's about actually what's that person bringing to the table like how could you actually be supportive that isn't detrimental to the situation uh so again i my my, my partner and her ex-husband um when me and my ex-wife weren't getting on just in the early days when we first separated my new partner when i met her her and her husband had been separated for i think it was about six plus months or something they were already starting to work a bit more cohesively not friends but collaboratively and actually that was something that I witnessed that she could have a positive influence in supporting me because I could help learn from her experiences and I could see that if she is coming at it positively with her own separation mm -hmm. she could have a positive influence on mine if she was having a negative situation and stopping dad from seeing the kids or trying to clear him out financially um, that was automatically going to be a red flag for me why, why would they be doing that um, speaking of kids, did your kids have had to go to therapy to adapt to the new life? Uh, no, mine haven't. No, no. How did my, they? Uh, yeah, so I've got I've got two boys from my first marriage, and then I'm very lucky to have two bonus kids. Everyone else has stepkids. I call them bonus kids <laughs> um, from my partners and from from her former uh, relationship, from her former marriage, um, and the four of them have gelled so so well um my my eldest boy and my youngest um uh stepson they're about 14 15 months or something like that apart they're very closely aged uh, but they're also very very similar so and they knew each other as friends beforehand kind of they met once or twice beforehand so they became friends my stepdaughter who's much older than my youngest they instantly but he my youngest basically became like her toy because he was he was quite little um uh, and, and they bonded really quickly as well um that's and that's really not to say, yeah I mean it's not to say it was ever like completely rosy um we had our challenges we had our ups and downs um but again that was instead about supporting their relationships with their other parents um but also starting to create an environment where all of the parents work together so our four children don't just have two two parents their actual biological mum and dad they have four they can go between wherever they want to be um and they and, and they all get on and we all now share time together and christmas years and birthdays but we didn't used to it's taken a couple of years to get there but again that's taken effort consistency um doing something different approaching it differently okay um so if we were to narrow it down to two do's and two don'ts 
and having your first relationship after a divorce, what would you advise? So your first relationship after divorce, your do's and your don'ts. Uh, so your do's are the self-reflection. Look at what you really want. What do you value? What do you believe in? What do you actually want from a relationship? What's important to you in a relationship as well? Is it sharing a lot of time? Is it not sharing a lot of time? I, I know a couple who, um, they call it a lapped couple, living apart together, where he's with her, his kids, she's with her kids. When they don't have the kids, they're together. But apart from that, they're not together. But that's unique for them. So again, looking at what's unique to your situation. Um, but again, the, the don'ts are, and this is a, a, a couple of big things, especially for parents that I always mention, don't always assume what once was will always be. If mum if mum always used to take the kids to school, well, now that you're separated and divorced, that might necessarily always be. Dad might change his situation adapt his work style want to be more involved be more engaged it's that sort of a self-reflection piece because he didn't used to do it but now he wants to if he wants to and he's showing up it's about opportunity as well so how can you approach things differently think about accountability what do you bring to the table uh, and how you approach moving forward what's what's your responsibility which bit can you control and influence in a better way i love that i love that um, all right. I do have one question left. Are you, you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. What's the story behind your yellow couch? <laughs> Again, I can't take the uh, the credit for it. It, it. it was my girlfriend um, during wow, lockdown. Girlfriend. Your girlfriend. Oh yeah, no, she's brilliant. She's awesome. <laughs> she's also my account. She's an accountant, so she does my accounts as well. Um, no, during uh, the first lockdown over here in the UK, I was sitting at my desk on like a normal desk chair doing zooms but I was always hunched over and I started getting a bad back so she said there's a in the corner of the study she said this, this little nondescript corner of the room she's like well, you've always said you wanted like a nice comfortable armchair why don't you get this nice why don't we get an armchair I was like, okay and she said you know what you need it needs to be a yellow velvet mustard chair and I was, no <laughs> but we we picked one and I've it, it's become its it's become its own story to the point where a friend of mine actually made the logo and said everybody knows you as the guy in the yellow chair so you should it's make brilliant. that your logo it's brilliant yeah. Thank i'm you. not a marketing guru by any chance ray it's just purely by default <laughs> well thank you for sharing and all brilliant ideas always come from simple uh thoughts so yeah. uh, kudos to your girlfriend and thank you for listening as well do you have any last words that you would like to um, comfort a divorced man listening yeah absolutely always don't 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 be afraid to do the work and seek the help people talk about support networks boundaries all these lovely words think about what they actually mean to you like what's a positive support network because all too often we do turn to our friends and family and our loved ones um, but if they have had a negative experience or are still in a negative experience um, do you do you want to learn from that or who could you go and model that has a better outcome has a more positive experience who can you learn from to be better and don't be afraid to do the work if you're a guy sitting there listening to this thinking I can I, I couldn't talk to a therapist a coach a counselor whatever it might be because nobody else does I can tell you just through my client list you'd be very very wrong there are so many people out there and so many guys out there that do do the work, that seek the help, that 
are where you are now or have been and have moved forward. So take the leap of faith. Don't be scared. The people that are here to support you, therapists, coaches, counsellors, we do this out of a place of passion and love. It's because we want to help you and we've got the skills and the resources and the knowledge to do it. So utilise it. Wow. Thank you for that. Men, you heard Tom. Take that leap of faith. You are supported and you are loved. Definitely not alone. Thank you, Tom, again for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.